Well, good morning. If you weren't here last week, I um, did something last week that is uh, not very clever on reflection because we um, we spoke about boring sermons last week, and I um, I sort of promised that this week would be exciting. Um, I think you can see the the problem that I've caused. But um, look down at our verses, and you can see why I said that. Um, page one one seven seven, Ephesians chapter six. And we have swords and armor and flaming arrows of the evil one and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In fact, in the whole letter, there are, um, there are lots of lines in Ephesians that would sell a really great conference, don't you think? So uh, in a, a world full of self-help courses, we began in the new year with um, chapter 4, verse 24. You can put on the new self created by God, the new you. Uh, Or chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 and 16, in a world full of the exhausted and the frantic, this is how to be wise shoppers of time in these evil days. Isn't there something sort of delightfully cosmic about that idea, especially on the day that the clocks go forward? So um, welcome those who've just arrived early for the 9.30 service. Uh, It's very good to have you with us. But best of all, Chapter 6, verse 10, how to be fully armoured soldiers in the spiritual war. Uh, You'd come to that conference, wouldn't you? And I hinted last week that I was fully on board with all of that as a teenager. I showed you this book that we all read, and a number of people in their 40s were sort of nodding away. Um, Just to prove I did it properly, here is the sequel, which has an even better cover. Um, And here is the book that you bought next. Um, which is called The Weapons of Your Warfare, Equipping Yourself to Defeat the Enemy. And you can tell it's a good book because it has the shiny writing and also lightning on the cover. So I didn't show that to the choir earlier. There it is. Um, See, as a teenager, nobody needed to tell me that it was difficult to be a Christian. But there was this sort of boredom, excitement thing. So all my friends thought it was very boring that I was a Christian. I knew it was really difficult. And here were um, ideas that say it is exciting and promise to help in the battle. Um, So I was sold those books. And just imagine for a second that you've been sold the conference. And you're now, you're inside the doors ready for the conference. And you've come for the, you know, the guide to be successful in spiritual war. If I then told you... What we're going to talk about today, it's going to be about your marriage, if you're married. It's going to be about your relationships in your family. It's going to be about how you treat the people who work for you. That would be chapter 5, chapter 6. Or if I said we're also, um, during that day, we're going to talk about greed and your sense of humor and anger and pornography and kindness and particularly about that person who you need to forgive, because that is Ephesians 4 and 5. Um, What would you think, having bought the ticket and the doors are closed? uh, Is that boring? Is that exciting? Um, Does it sound like it has anything that would help us in the battle? Well, I've got four headings for us this morning as we finish the book of Ephesians. And the first one is just that, that uh, you are in a war. So look down, and this is all over, isn't it? Verse 10, be strong and in his power because you need to put on some armor. Verse 11, to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, that is a struggle. 
against the spiritual forces. And verse 13, armor again for a day of evil to stand your ground and to stand. Um, Notice, by the way, that there's nothing in these verses that has anything to do with um, the conference in Waco uh, yesterday uh, that was on the BBC this morning, God, Guns, and Donald Trump. Um, That's not a left-wing political comment or a right-wing political comment. It's just saying, actually, the Bible um, doesn't speak about uh, physical armed conflict in that sense. Uh, God doesn't have guns, uh, is not interested in that way. Uh, In fact, one of the decisive shifts as we come into the New Testament is that all of the language of war um, moves and changes. It's the shift to turn the other cheek, to non-violence and to forgiveness. The the language of war is still there, but it's redirected two ways. Uh, One, to Jesus and what Jesus will do on the day that he returns. And then it's also redirected to the spiritual struggle that we're all involved in. And it's exactly the same here. So look down just at verse 12. Uh, Your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. I guess you could think, does that sound like a, a government? But then it says against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, so let's just add that to the heading. So if a Christian has been aggressive or violent towards you, um, well, you need to direct them to this verse and ask them how it is they've managed to confuse you with Satan. Um, and if you yourself know that you've been aggressive or violent uh, in the past, well, you need to go and say sorry. Um, Jesus wants this language used about our own spiritual walk and not in relation to other human beings. But the idea of being in a war and the idea of spiritual forces and powers, that was something that the Ephesians were very, very aware of. Uh, These questions of power and spiritual authorities. In an earlier sermon a few weeks back or months back, we went to Acts chapter 19, which is where Paul goes to Ephesus. And you see how much Ephesus was dominated by its temples, by huge centers of worship, uh, to uh, other gods and spiritual powers, huge and tall and impressive. But also, you get a glimpse there of how much um, magic or, or spiritual control was part of their daily lives. They have a bonfire uh, of those who've become Christians, and they bring all their magic scrolls and burn them. And we're told um, the value, financial value, was 50,000 days' wages, uh, which is, you know, depending slightly how many holiday uh, you get in your company where you work, it's something like 153 people's annual wage, that, uh, the amount of money that would cost. This was a, a daily reality for them around them. And Paul doesn't meet that fear and that reality with any false reassurance. He doesn't say, oh, don't worry about all that spiritual forces stuff. It's not real. Um, C.S. Lewis called that uh, the devil's best lie of the 20th century, uh, the lie that he wasn't real or he was a figure of fun. Um, if anything, you think Paul makes it worse here, saying it's not just Artemis you've got a problem with, some sort of local god, but actual Satan. 
and that there is a, a sense uh, elsewhere in Ephesians in which Satan does rule. Uh, he is defeated by Jesus, uh, mortally wounded, and, and will be um, defeated entirely, but he is still active in his sphere of operation, which 2 verse 2 uh, calls this world. Um, and in fact, he used to be your commander and your captor, and actually all of the, the patterns and habits uh, that are, are learned in us, uh, and in fact everything that's reinforced by our colleagues around us and our wider family and our society, um, those are all from uh, Satan's kingdom. So you are in a war. Um, and then the, the second point we talked about last week, so just quite briefly to repeat it, um, that war takes place... Uh, as in your front line in that war, is your everyday life. And um, last week I showed you this slide, which is just what we've been doing over um, the bits of Ephesians we've done since January. Um, you have these two big commands to put on. Put on your new self that God has created. And now this week we've got to the second one, put on the full armour of God. And then in between, you cover this sort of very normal range of material, normal life. It's about um, wives and husbands. It's about children with their parents. And it's about slaves and masters, which we said that means it's about anybody who does a service for you, uh, anyone who you pay to do things, and anyone who you provide services to. Uh, this is your front line. It's um, Tracy from Accounts. Uh, it's your own mum and dad and whatever it was you said to them on the phone last night. Uh, it's the builder who has fixed half of your kitchen uh, three months ago and that you're trying to negotiate to get back. And the, the problem with um, these, these books, it's not so much the, the detail of what they say. Um, the problem is in the impression that it gave me. And um, the impression it gave me was that the, um, the excitement, uh, the excitement was to be had somewhere else. Um, the, the battle was somewhere else, so it was sort of secret, secret things. Um, and that my everyday struggle to live for Jesus, um, that was sort of okay and disconnected. It's okay to go on shouting at your mum, uh, just sort of do that, but then come and join the real spiritual battle that's over here. Um, Paul would say, no, pray and fight and forgive and ask God for help with the shouting at your mum or whatever it is, because, teenager, that is where the Lord has placed your front line. Um, and it's actually one that all of us in this room have faced and handled differently and found incredibly difficult. Um, there was a, uh, I used um, to end up writing a lot of uh, sort of references, particularly for students, particularly for students going on sort of short-term Christian mission. And um, there was a, a application form, a reference form that I filled in about once a year that um, had lots and lots of totally uh, normal and entirely unsurprising questions on it. But then halfway through the form was this question. Do they have experience of spiritual warfare? And at the first time I saw the question, what? what? Slightly surprising. Um, I, I know what they mean, and, uh, and I assure you I did always answer the question helpfully. Uh, they, they were sending people to a particular international context where there was a very present sort of sense of miraculous spiritual activity and a particular fear of demonic possession. So the, the question was, is this someone who will have come across that before? 
But take the question just as it stands. Is this someone who has experience of spiritual warfare? Really, that question's asking, is this person a Christian at all? Um, Because if you're not fighting, if you're not in that war, then you are just floating with the tide like a a dead fish. Um, At the same time as I was buying books like this, uh, they also did a range of t-shirts that you could buy. Um, There was one with a big sword and lightning on it and big words, so I'd wear that around school. But there was also uh, a slightly better one that had a lot of fish on it. Um, And there were a load of sort of angry-looking fish all going the same way, and then a Christian fish going the other way. Um, And the slogan was something like, um, only dead fish go with the tide. Um, that, that is the Christian life, isn't it? That daily struggle of doing things that are not what your desires are, things that are not the same as everybody else around you. It's actually, if you're here and you're not a Christian today, um, that is both the reason why you should not be a Christian and why you should. Um, it's this hard daily struggle and battle but it's the wonder of being set off and enabled to be kind and compassionate and not angry and not do the things you want to do and be helped in that and changed and made a new person. And the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare, it is not something that, that other people in this room know how to do and you don't if you're a Christian. And it's not something that you need a course on or a particular experience before you can begin. Um, It is actually what you have been doing since the very first day that you set out to follow Jesus and the very first day that you set out not to follow Satan and your own desires, Um, which means, doesn't it, we're sitting in a room um, full of recruits and veterans uh, in this particular war and battle. Okay, third point, which is where we get to the central image of this with the soldier. Um, And here's how I'd like us to think about it, is that you are a tank. You are a tank. So that the central image is this soldier in armour, and I think we frequently misunderstand uh, what Paul means. So he talks about um, armour, full armour. He talks about belts and breastplates and feet or sandals. He talks about shields and swords um, and helmets. And Roman armour, which is what he has in mind, to us it means something from um, school trips or the dressing up box. Chances are if you've been a Christian for a very long time, you probably coloured this in uh, and, and drew it at some point in your childhood. So for us it means a man who looks like this. Um, you know, just notice how shiny he is and how smiley he is, uh, or some kind of lovely drawing like this, uh, all very, um, you know, clean and nice. Um, or actually, when we meet people dressed like this, they look like this. Um, so this is your, uh, your grandpa, uh, doing some cooking in a skirt. Um, and, and that's sort of what we, what we feel. Come and be, uh, come and be a shiny, smiling grandpa and do some old-fashioned cooking. I should say, um, there is nothing wrong with reenactors. I married one. It's quite important for me to say that. Um, but the, the idea of dress up in the armour is an idea that's sort of comfortable and quaint. But that is not what is going on in Ephesians. That's not what Paul is thinking. That's not what his uh, readers are thinking. Ephesus is part of the Roman Empire, uh, which means uh, had been conquered, 
and was uh, kept subdued by the most successful military organization that there was for 2,000 years, uh, conquering force and occupying force. And um, with some caution, just some more images that um, have been in the papers this week because it is the 20th anniversary of the Iraq invasion. Um, so here are, here are two images of soldiers. Um, I picked these two partly because um, I think there's a sort of sense in these pictures of the reality about soldiers and how they're feeling. Um, these are not triumphalist pictures. Um, these are normal guys inside a, a suit of armour. Um, they're in danger. But also um, because there's a real sense of ambivalence about those pictures, aren't there? Um, you know, are these good men doing good things or not? Uh, or are we actually afraid of them uh, when we see them? See, Paul is reaching deliberately for something scary for his illustration, um, uh, an occupying force as well as a, a peacekeeping force. Um, the, the, the clearest illustration of this for me uh, comes from 25 years ago when I um, first drove my car from Southern Ireland into Northern Ireland, um, drove across the border, and um, that was a, you know, from kind of being in a, a European country with the wrong sort of speed limits and the wrong sort of road signs, across the border, and you're home! Um, and, the, you know, the 30 sign has the right red circle around it and all of that, and so I'm back at home and I'm driving along. Here I am in what, what appears to be just an English village, um, and round the corner comes a squad of fully armed soldiers. Remember that very clearly, the, the size of the guns and the, the way they were moving, patrolling, uh, crossing the street, checking around the corner, as if this was dangerous. Um, and thinking that, oh, who are those people? And what, they're British soldiers in British Army uniform. What are they doing here? And um, that sort of sense um, is a bit like where Paul goes for telling us what it's like to be a Christian, what it's like to leave home each day uh, and go on your front line. Um, you are a tank. So the application here is all about put on the armour. Um, there isn't actually much instruction here to do any fighting because all of that has been in the other chapters in between, chapter 4, chapter 5, the rest of chapter 6. And this is put on the armour. Do you see verse 10? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, which means, verse 11, put on the full armour so you can take your stand. Or again, verse 13, put on the armour so that you may be able to stand and stand. Or verse 14, stand then. How do I do that? Well, it's buckle on and pick up and uh, put on and take up. And so that we leave for our front line or stay at home for our front line, but fully equipped, uh, fully equipped for a, a battle that, remember, the Ephesians felt totally terrified by and totally exposed in. Um, which means the most important question for the rest of our time is what is this armour and how do I get it? So I'll come back through those. Uh, and point four, your tank is made of gospel truth. Um, so that discussion question earlier about what, what do you put on, what do you wear, um, we need to know what this is. And if you look at the, the words he uses for the armour, uh, so <clears throat> it's a belt of truth, there is something of righteousness, 
the gospel of peace, faith, uh, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the, the words he chooses, they're all gospel things. And not only are they all gospel things, but they are all words that have been used um, er- earlier in the letter. So let me give you just a few examples of that. Chapter 1, what happened when you became a Christian? You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. And uh, when you believed, belief being the, the same word as faith, uh, you were marked in him with a seal, which is the promised Holy Spirit. Or um, chapter 2, really well known. Again, how did you become a Christian? Well, it wasn't you that did it. It was God. It's by grace you've been saved, the verb from salvation. How? Through faith and not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Or um, chapter 4, the big application from earlier in the year. Put on your new self uh, that God has made, God has created. Uh, What is that new self? Who are you? Well, you are about truth. And the thing that is true about you is that you are righteous and holy, and that's who you are. So one um, application of this morning would be just to get the letter out. Uh, maybe if you can find the, the drawing of a Roman soldier that you did when you were seven, uh, if you've kept that carefully filed, then you could put that out on a piece of paper and look for the armour through the letter. Look for all these words as they appear and just write them down maybe. Uh, or examine them with yourself. So do, do I think I am righteous? What does that mean? If I can wear that like a breastplate? Uh, do I think that I am saved? Uh, do I believe? Do I have faith in the gospel? Do I have this armor? Um, so the armor is the gospel. And um, I didn't reread this, uh, this book entirely, and I'm not um, recommending it particularly, but I did reread the chapter on the armor of gods, and actually it was very helpful. Um, said this, same thing, that all the armour is, it is the gospel, and also said it all belongs to Jesus, this armour that he gives to us, and um, steered me to Isaiah 59, where you get a lot of the same phrases, uh, where this is the armour, this is God's armour. But um, just this morning, I want to take it one step further, beyond just noticing this is the gospel, to say, where do you get it? And I think the answer is you get it in the book of Ephesians, as I've been saying. So um, what if the advice in this letter, what if all of the advice in the letter was actually the same advice? What if all of the applications of Ephesians really were the same, just expressed with depth and richness rather than being new and different on every page? This um, insight, I think it's really helpful. It's not one I discovered for myself. It was a, a, a really very junior assistant when we were taking some students away. We said to them, do you want to do some Bible studies? They said, yes, uh, can I do one in Ephesians 1 and one in Ephesians 6? And we went, all right, you can. Um, and they said this, look how the two things are the same. So uh, here are some of the really big sections in Ephesians. Um, two very big prayers right at the beginning. Um, asking God to do something that we really, really need. Uh, praying that you would know uh, and that you would know the hope, the inheritance and the power. And praying that you would grasp and in particular grasp how much God loves you. Something Ephesians really needed. They feel powerless. They feel unloved. And Paul's big prayer for them is they would know these two things. And then the the big application in chapter 4 is to be new in your mind. Renew your mind. uh, Renew your thinking. 
And we do that in our minds and we do that to each other. Uh, 4 verse 13, as we speak the truth uh, in love to one another, that is how maturity comes. And then now we have chapter 6. Uh, we have chapter 6 where it says, put on the armor, which is made of gospel truth. So to go out onto a battlefield in t-shirt and shorts, that is an alarming thing to do, a terrifying thing to do. Uh, we really need this. So where is the armory? Um, and I think the book of Ephesians, in the first instance, is the armory for us. Because in the book, um, around these big commands, we have these sections explaining a load of gospel truth to us, particularly chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. So Paul thinks his letter is the answer to his prayers, and he thinks his letter tells us everything we need to know and grasp, everything we need to tell each other and renew our minds with, which means everything we need to be armoured fully. So let me just uh, give a couple of examples of that, of conversations we might have, or of reading and praying that we might do uh, through the next few weeks. So um, the armour is something that you own and you've been given already, so it's no accident that the first sort of detailed application is about prayer. Verse 18, verse 19, verse 20. I don't think he's quite saying that the struggle is only about prayer or that it only happens when you pray, but there's a very, very tight link um, because this is something that God can give you. Uh, The prayer in Ephesians 1, the prayer in Ephesians 3 is that you'd be given the Spirit's help to know these things. Uh, So we need God's help. And pray, um, verse 18 is a a clocks going forward verse. Uh, Be alert. Uh, This is kind of staying awake when it's difficult verse. Um, praying that we will stand. And I don't think it's an accident, again, that the, um, the, the one detailed personal prayer request from Paul uh, is a prayer that he would speak fearlessly. Um, might well be the same for us, that spiritual warfare at its hardest might be um, pray that I would actually tell people at work that I am a Christian. Uh, or the um, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Pray that I would actually cross the shop floor, uh, cross the office, cross the break room, and say something about Jesus. Second bit, though, just to consciously give you a couple of examples, consciously filling our minds with the kind of ideas that we've got here in this letter, that that would be what it would be to put on the armour. So take those two prayers and the idea of power and the idea of love. So power, Paul says, uh, the power at work in you that you need to grasp is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Um, Now, if that was the the shield of faith or the the belt made of truth, um, do we really believe that? that in our struggle to be kind and compassionate and forgiving, in our struggle to be whatever we are, children or parents or colleagues, that actually the same power that took a dead body of Jesus and turned him into the risen Lord of life, that same power is at work in us, that same power available to us in that daily struggle. Um, Or think about love. Uh, In Ephesians particularly, that is about the death of Jesus and how much he loves us that he would die for us, how much the Father loves us that his Son would die for us. So if that was the the helmet of salvation, he did that to save me, or the breastplate of righteousness, actually when he looks at me, 
He sees me as someone entirely righteous because he loves me that much that Jesus died. Um, Again, would that defend against the attacks of Satan? When Satan says, um, "Ah, he's not going to forgive you again. Don't seriously think, given what you've done, that he would forgive you again. Uh, It's the armor about how much he loves you that we need. Or when Satan says, look, just come back and live the way you used to. Uh, It's the same as everybody around you. It's the same as what you really want to do. Uh, Just come back, give up, come and do that. That it is, no, I have been made right, I've been saved. Jesus died, he loves me that much. That will keep me going. So that's the challenge. Uh, We're in a war, we can't change that. Uh, We've been given this incredible armour, which is the gospel truth, which is there in Ephesians for us. So it's will we put it on uh, and pray as we head out to the battle. Let me pray for us now before we sing. So dear Father, we pray that you would give us uh, hearts that are able to see spiritually, that your spirit would help us, that you would give us hearts that are able to grasp uh, how high and deep and wide and long is the love that you have for us so that we would stand in the evil day, that we would persevere, we'd stand firm as we put this armour on, praying, Lord, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.